0: And my boss's boss's boss, she ran or oversaw all the labs. And I was sitting with her and she's this wonderful woman and um, I'm very happy I got to know her. And I asked her, I said, do you think what I'm doing is being considered a chemist? And she looked at me and said, no. Mm. And that's when I was like, you know what, I want to be a chemist.
1: Dr. Weber, thank you so much for taking some time out of your weekend to, to do this with us. We're, we're really excited to have you here. Um, the first thing I really wanted to talk about really is, uh, I understand you graduated uh, from, what was it, uh, Spring Hill College, your undergrad, as a biochemistry major? Uh, as a biochemistry major myself, I'm really interested in why you decided to go into graduate school for a PhD in analytical chemistry.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like a normal story where you, you start school and you really want to be a doctor. So you're pre-med and you, you think that you know what you like, really. And I found that I wasn't as good as biology than I was chemistry. But I really thought maybe I want to be a doctor still. So I was a chemistry major. I switched it from a, a biology major with a chem minor to a chem major with a bio minor. Um, and as it, time went on, I just realized I didn't like biology as much. Um, so by the time I got to my senior year, um, I had the option where it's either stay longer and finish P or become a, a biochem major. So I combined both my major and my minor into a biochem major. Um, so I can save a little bit of time and graduate earlier. So, uh, I do, I did do decently well at biology and I did enjoy biochemistry, but as I guess as I was in my chemistry classes, I just fell more and more in love with it, especially doing it as a career. And so I started off one way and by the time I ended my bachelor's degree, it's completely transformed.
1: <laughs> wow, it's funny you say like, oh, it's how most people are an undergrad, they wanna be a doctor and you kind of basically detailed my undergraduate experience <laughs> so far. So uh, very interesting you mentioned that. Um, I understand you also did an internship at Tulane University. Yeah, did that I mean, kind of help your process in undergrad of deciding to go to a different route?
0: Yeah, I just it was a good opportunity. I'm very passionate about researching for undergrads RU programs because I did it. All mm-hmm. my friends did it. So my school is only 1,200 students. It was a very small school. So if you needed research, you you had to leave. You had to go to a different okay. university and do an, internships. Then that was actually a rule to even graduate. So I was forced to do it and I appreciated a lot more because of it and going to these larger schools because I did my PhD at uh, University of North Texas Mm -hmm. and then coming here, students don't realize that this is an opportunity they can have where I was told I had to. Um, So I chose Tulane. I got very lucky because it's a funny story. Sometimes it really is who you know. Mm -hmm. My my younger sister's softball coach is the director of chemistry at Tulane.
2: Wow, that's a... (laughs) Wow, that's really, uh, I guess you could say, the right person at the right time. Exactly
0: so like I I emailed him because he actually told my family he was like because he knew what I wanted to be when I grew up and he goes he told me if I needed anything just let him know and so I emailed him because I didn't it's not it wasn't a technical RU program so I emailed him my resume and I said hi could I arrange an appointment with you I'd really like to talk to you about what I'd like and I mentioned how Tulane was my dream school I couldn't go there for my undergrad because I really couldn't afford it I don't know anyone that can without a scholarship Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is my dream school, could I please come talk to you about any internship opportunities that you have? And I went and chatted with him for a few hours and I told him about what, what I, my dreams are and he told me the opportunities he can give me um, and told me I got to pick what type of chemistry or science I wanted to do and he put me in a lab. And so that's why it's really important to like, kind of don't lose your connections, don't break your bridges because whether it be like a little small connection like that helped me get an internship, like, I mean, I can't say that it was all me, I really re- was the connection that really helped me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't burn your bridges.
1: <laughs> and so this was for the environmental engineering department, what were you doing within the department for chemistry? Yeah, or was it related to that at all?
0: It was. It was uh-huh. all chemistry. Um, I had the option of doing inorganic chemistry, physical chemistry, organic chemistry, but I've always been passionate about the environment. Um, okay. So he also said he can place me in environmental engineering. So they did a lot of chemical testing, but the engineering aspect was like they were creating these, uh, these, I guess, these Uh, instruments. They made their own instruments where they were trying to create these iron-infused nanocarbons. Um, And so it was very chemical. So my job as an intern was to be underneath a grad student and shadow him. And after like a few weeks, he trusted me to do all the experiments on my own where I'd come up that day and he'd say, I want you to do this, this, and this. I want you to analyze this, this, and this. And then um, when I was done, I would give him the results and he would put them into the papers and stuff like that. So even though it was environmental engineering, the ideal was chemistry. And then the instrumentation process was chemistry. So um, yeah, so I, was, I think it was iron chloride with a bunch of sugar. Like seriously, I had to do different concentrations of sugar and iron chloride. I put it through an aerosolation instrument. I don't know, the aerosol, and then through a giant 1,000 degree tube to create different types of iron-infused carbons and then analyze them using um, XRD. So X-ray crystal, I forget, it's diffraction. Mm -hmm. SEM, scanning electron microscopy. I did, um, sorry, I'm a little rusty. I did This was in 2011. I did IR. did a few other tests. OGC, I did gas chromatography. Um, so I do a lot of the normal chemical analyses, and that kind of set me up for loving analytical chemistry.
2: Yeah, I was about to say, that sounds like a lot of the stuff that I'm a little bit aware of, uh, which is analytical chemistry. And I like something that you touched on a little bit that was, uh, you know, this was an engineering focus, but there was still chemistry in there. And I remember, uh, since I am a student in, in your quant class, um, one of the things that you said was, you know, you need a chemist for anything. Uh, You know, you'll you'll need a chemist for, you know, literally anything. And it it just kind of reminded me right now because it's kind of like in a team of scientists, you always want a little bit of everything because everyone has a different perspective on how they look at things. And I I was just thinking right now, you know, it's an engineering focus, but you still need that chemist in there. So that's pretty cool. And we have
1: an example of that at Texas State, too, because Dylan, he's a member of, organization and he's looking for a new research lab to work with um, and he talked with some professors he wants to do analytical chem uh, he's very interested in that and and the labs that currently offer that aren't aren't uh, looking for new members of their lab uh, and one of the professors I think it was dr. Irving um, yeah she, she mentioned you know there's a lab in the chem chem uh, the engineering building Ingram Uh, That might be looking for somebody to do some analytical chemistry and so he's reaching out to to that lab and I don't know he would have never thought about that if it wasn't referred to by Dr. Irving and it's those opportunities that are outside of what we've been told about uh, that sometimes might be really special like you said you covered a lot of instruments that we I mean as a third year student you would probably have heard of at least in your textbooks and lectures by then so very cool, very unique uh, experience that we definitely wanted to kind of talk about because that, that's that's interesting. Uh, a lot of students might not have heard of something like that.
0: It's my goal to always like discuss this, which is why every student that I teach always goes over this RU discussion because y'all don't, I mean, people don't really talk to y'all about opportunities. And if y'all can get an internship under your belt before you graduate, it sets you apart. Like, even though I didn't end up being a doctor because I, I didn't really enjoy it, Mm -hmm. people who do getting um, an RU in biology or what you really like, maybe, I don't know, internal medicine. I don't know. They have a bunch of different opportunities Mm -hmm. out there, Uh, but doing an internship and what you love that will help you set you apart and help you get into medical school.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, I really appreciated that presentation because I think a lot of my friends who haven't had that opportunity to either do an internship or an RU or something related, um, they're not aware that, you know, one, you can do this, and two, that a bunch of these programs pay you to do it. You know, mm. they, they fly you out. They uh, even give you tours of the city that you're at. You even get an insight to the actual university or, or school that you're doing this with. And, and I hope that, you know, because I know you gave this in, in the quant class, I hope that um, people start realizing, like, oh, I can actually do this. And um, for me, I started very early on when I was a freshman. That's because I received an email about it. But even at then, I remember thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm just trying to get adjusted to my dorm, right? And it was like that type of mentality. But then I remember picking that back up, and you know, snowball effect, everything just kind of started adding up, and and yeah, I just really appreciated the fact that that information was shared, for once, really, yeah. So that was that was really appreciated. Yeah.
1: After yeah. undergrad, you also had some inter. Sorry, were you gonna say something?
0: Oh, I was just going to say like, um, sorry, I blanked for a second. (laughs) Oh,
1: no, well, I was just going to lead into the next thing that we really wanted to touch on was that you have some industry experience with, uh, Dow chemicals. This was after undergrad.
0: Yeah. So, um, I graduated Mm -hmm. and, uh, so industry also offers internships. I think that was where I was going to go. Uh, internships. I really wanted to get to my students before they graduated because they could do internships as undergrads. But there's also internships when you are with your bachelor's degree and also after in grad school. Um, And I started as an intern at Dow, So um, I really wanted to like industry is great. It's a great job. It's great benefits like, and if you're with a good company, these companies like I know, it's kind of scary to say I work for a chemical plant. Mm. But There's so much in to make sure that people are safe at plants. And when you are a chemist in a plant, it's actually quite nice because plants have a lot of people on site, but you're working in a very nice, safe, secluded lab away from all of the big old, um, I guess, the technology, making everything. They bring it to you in your safe little lab away from everything and you're analyzing samples. And it could be any type of sample. Um, I did pharmaceuticals. I did soaps. uh, You could do plastics. You can do paints. You can do... Mm so much and industry is a great 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 place to go if you don't know what you want to do like I was I didn't know, really know what I liked and it pay really well I started off as an intern I worked my three months and then you can get after you work your way up even less than three months you can get paid full, uh hired on full time
2: okay oh wow
1: would you say your experience with Dow Chemicals kind of decided or it may, helped you decide that you wanted to go to graduate school and yeah. continue your education
0: yeah when I was there I had this moment where I just looked in the mirror and said, I really love my job. I really love my company, but I can't see myself doing this the rest of my life because Mm. I I don't want to say the word bored because in the end, I really like that company. And let's say if I ever um, got to a a career changing time where I'm thinking about changing the career, I would try to go back to Dow. I really enjoyed Dow, but I, I was sitting down with my boss. So at my plant, there was eight plants eight uh, chemical labs and I was in one of them. And my boss's boss's boss, she ran or oversaw all the labs. And I was sitting with her and she's this wonderful woman. And um, I'm very happy I got to know her. And I asked her, I said, Do you think what I'm doing is being considered a chemist? And she looked at me and said, No.
1: Mm. And
0: that's when I was like, you know what, I want to be a chemist. Like I, I was a lab analyst. I was either a lab tech or a lab analyst, same, same thing. Lab oh analyst God. sounds better than a lab tech. Um, I was analyzing samples. I was doing regular chemical industry type methods. I did everything that I was trained to do, but every single day you, you did the same thing. You just analyzed samples. You weren't doing anything new. You weren't really using your brain as much. So you do that and then you can work your way up the ladder. So it's a really good opportunity if you wanna stay put or if you wanna work your way up but I'd already gotten accepted into like three grad schools and I just sat in the mirror and I was looking at myself and I'm like, you're not a chemist. What are you going to do to change that? Wait and maybe get a promotion or do something now? And my dad, I actually, I told my job, you know what? I'm I'm not going to go to grad school. I'm going to stay put. And my dad sat me down and said, um, if you don't try, you're going to regret it. Because I thought um, I was gonna fail out first semester of grad school. I was never gonna be able to cut it. I wasn't good. I had. I think a lot of us have this um, imposter syndrome.
2: Oh or yeah. Or you yeah. think that we, you're never yeah, good yeah. enough,
0: and you're surrounded by people, and everyone in the room is smarter than you. You think that, and that's not true. I was one of those students, and sometimes I still am around PhDs. Mm. Uh, but yeah, and I'm very happy that my dad pushed me, so I left out, um and then I went straight to grad school and. I didn't fail out in a semester. In fact, I was one of the highest in my classes. I was had the best. I had a 4.0. I went from like a three, three one, three two GPA in undergrad to a 4.0 in grad school. It it was big old shift.
2: Yeah. How do I have a quick question? So when I did my uh, internship with Eli Lilly, I talked to different people and uh, just kind of wanted to get a, a feel on how everybody you know got to where they were at. And some of them went from undergrad to graduate school, to where they're at right now. But other people did their undergrad, worked for the company, and then got their PhD and then came back, right? And one of the things that they, uh, I guess, really everyone was really spot on just talking about was the lifestyle change of how you go from a student to a worker. That's a lifestyle change in itself. And then you go back into a student mode. And they, they told me that doing that while having a family or, you know, it, you're at a different age, a different, you know, you're a different you at that point. How was how that for you doing those transitions?
0: I think that transition's what made or break me. Like that transition made me while it didn't make others. Because when I was an undergrad, like you, you get so used to lifestyle and you're very overwhelmed in undergrad. Like I, I would never go back to that because that's just too much on your plate right now. Like I, it's a lot of work. Then you, then you go to work and you work minimum eight hours a day. I was working up to 10 hours a day, but I, I enjoyed every second. And then you go to grad school and you're not doing 18 hours. You're doing two classes. So one class a day and maybe doing research hours, maybe doing something else. So you have a lot more time on your hands when you first start grad school. And so I sat myself down and I'm like, okay, it's a job. You got to do eight hours a day. So The second I started thinking like, okay, I'm back at Dow, I'm working my eight hour days, even though I had class for an hour, what am I doing the rest of the seven hours? So I studied, Um, I studied Mm -hmm. really hard, I got ahead in all my classes, I made A's in every class and that's really what kind of made me, whereas if I was coming straight from undergrad, maybe I wouldn't be thinking of it like a job. I'd be like, you know what, I have a class for an hour, let me go do something else. And then you join you, you join a lab group because when you first join, you don't have a research group quite yet. You're looking for a research group. So if I wasn't studying, I was interviewing. I was looking at other labs, meeting other grad students, talking to them about what grad school was like. And when you join the research group, when you're not in class, you're doing research. So eight hours a day, you're back at having a job. So I think that transitions what made me so much more ahead than some of the other students that came from undergrad.
2: Yeah, I could see that because then uh... – and, and again, the only thing I can relate it to is that when I was doing the internship, you uh, you have a schedule. You have, you know, you're doing this uh, at this time to this other thing at that time, and, and that's it. And not, now that you, you mentioned it, like I can kind of see how that really propelled you to do so great in graduate school. Hmm. I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, and that's why I tell my students, like, when I was an undergrad, I didn't know the answers. I didn't know how to study properly. I would... Oh, I remember one of my bio classes. I hated every second of it. Just that one bio. I really liked a lot of other ones, but I would wait till midnight and wake up and start studying at midnight right before the exam. I did not do well in that course. That
2: that sounds like some of our friends.
0: (laughs) I did that. And then sometimes I would like, you know, go to sleep at midnight, wake up at 4am, go to library and then start studying. I mean, but it would always be cramming. And then when I got to grad school and I said, okay, let's study a little bit every day. I never Slept or never went to bed past 10 p.m. the night before an exam, and I aced them. Like I mean, I mean, hundreds sometimes just higher A's, and that's what did it. And so when I tell my students now, I'm like, look, I'm in your shoes. I know what it's like. This is what worked for me, and I promise this will work for you. 30 minutes a day. But that's what my student, my teachers told me that when I was an undergrad, and I didn't listen to them. I was like, what? No. I yeah. Don't do that. But I did it, and it worked. I promise. <laughs> it worked. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I think uh, just real quick, just uh, and then we can continue all that conversation. It, it, just because you keep saying things that really resonate with me, and it's about that, you know, separating 30 minutes. 30 minutes each day out of your whole day isn't really a lot. And it's I, I, I realized that when um, I started uh, trying to meditate a little bit, and I was like, okay, let me try to do this for 5, 10 minutes, right? And at first, I didn't want to do it because I was like, oh, I could be doing work, or I could be working on this or whatever and then when i i started doing it kind of consistently i realized wow this is such a small part of my day that helps me so much yeah. and so yeah i think I, hopefully you know whoever's listening to this takes that uh advice and, and applies it because i think it, it'll definitely work it really does
1: <laughs> 30 minutes a day a lot of it in undergrad is also figuring it out like how you yeah. learn best and, and all that and i feel like i'm finding a nice groove wish I took your class 30 minutes a day good advice I try yeah that's how I got through Ochem. but uh applying that to all my other courses and making it like a set amount of time was actually because I do a little every day that's what I say a little every day
0: yeah Uh, it could be 30 minutes it could be 15 it could be an hour just whatever you need like now that we're online I tell my students like if you since we do sapling homework for us, I said, okay, whatever we did during lecture, go do the sapling on those problems. That way you don't have to wait until the last minute and then forget everything we discussed. If Mm. you do the sapling right after we talked about it, it's going to come so much quicker to you and you'll be that much closer to being done with your homework.
2: (laughs) Yeah. What I do is I take the amount of problems and I divide them into days. And so that way I'm like, okay, whatever happens today, it does not matter. I'm doing four problems out of this homework at least. Yeah. And then it's just you just kind of build on that. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
1: So we've been talking a lot about uh, your graduate school, uh, UNT, and you actually had a really unique experience within graduate school as well. Right. You, you had a fellowship with the was it East Asia and Pacific Summer Institutes in Japan. Uh, we'd love to talk a little bit about that and maybe how you got that opportunity.
0: Yeah, it was something else that fell on my lap. I swear, everything I have is just like on your lap. Do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) Because it was my first year of grad school and I would wanted to go do an internship. I wanted to do an internship at Brewer. It's a company, I think, in Indiana. And my Mm -hmm. advisor told me, no. He said, anytime you're doing research that's not going towards your PhD is a waste of time. Straight up. Um, He's not wrong. Uh, That research, I did that my first year summer went into my dissertation. It was really good Mm -hmm. research. And it was with a guy in Japan. Mm -hmm. So he sent me samples. Um, My predecessor, her name was Amy, I forget her last name. It starts with an S. She did all of the samples for him. And she ended up graduating with over 20 papers, close to 30 papers. She did so much work for this guy. His name was Dr. Jonathan Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, He worked in Scuba, Japan at the NIMS Institute, so National Institute for Material Science. And he would send our samples and we would do our normal workup on all of them. We do the analysis, we do all of this absorbance, fluorescence, um, electric what I did mostly, um, everything. So he would send me hundreds of samples. Throughout my career, there's so many samples and I would do the analysis. And one day he was talking with my advisor because I, I had never met him at that moment. And he said, what about if she came over? and we were looking into ways to go over there for free. Mm. And if you're an American citizen, you can apply for grants through the National Science Foundation, and there's a few other institutions that'll do this, where you apply for a grant, and this grant was the EPSI grant, because it sends, I forget this number, but it sends like between 100 and 180 students every summer from grad school all across the Asian Pacific area. Uh, and so I was like, you know what, I really wanted to go work with Dr. Hill for a summer and might as well get to go do it for free because yeah. my advisor, I don't know if everyone experienced this, but my advisor is sometimes always strapped for money because research is very, very expensive and you can't always pay people to do things like that. So he was very stingy and I mean that with as much politeness as I can, he was very stingy with his money. So if he can send you for free, go for free. Um, mm-hmm. So I applied. It was a very long process, Um, probably as long as it took me to get my job at Dow. Like I applied in, okay, so I applied in November. It was due like early November and it was a huge application process. It was papers and papers and papers. You had to write a mini grant that was five pages long. You had to get all this other stuff done. And I finally, it took me over a month to get all the stuff together, um, send the paperwork in, and I didn't hear back from them until February. Same with my job at Dow. It just took so long for them to get back to me. And then in February, they were like, you got it. Hmm. I was one of 60 students that were going to be going to Japan that summer. They had, I think, 20 students to China, 10 students to Australia, eight students to New Zealand, I think a few to Singapore. Um, I can't remember the rest of the countries, but I think- uh, eight I think it was Korea. Korea, South Korea. Korea, yeah. As well. Yeah. So I was one of 60 from America going to Japan and i got to go to they sent us to washington dc in march and i got to see the flower uh, the cherry blossoms in march in dc and they pretty much brought all the americans into a room and we went over like what it's like what this E.P.C. Uh, grant is what does it mean and i met the people that are going to japan with me and then we went back after the weekend and then It was June. I went middle of June. They sent us to Japan. We spent a week in Sokandai in Japan, just getting to know the culture. I got to have a host family for a weekend. I got to learn more about Mm -hmm. people and tour and be a tourist. And then after that week, they sent us for 10 weeks to our program with our actual, um, universities so you actually had to have an advisor before you even applied like you can't just be like i want to go to japan i want to work for this guy you actually have to be connected yeah so i got to go with dr hill for an entire summer and work underneath him and he's the person that i worked with for five years in my lab and i'm very happy i got to because i think i got over 10 papers with him and I was about another a while.
1: you were there for maybe 10 weeks and i was there for three months. papers still coming out uh even what this year i think and a lot of dr hill's papers have your name on it as well so that's very cool uh 10 weeks has done like this 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 was in 2016 2016 2016 2016? so four years later and some papers are still Uh, oh okay
0: this is stuff i've been doing for five years oh okay like i've been getting samples for five years what i did when i went to japan was i worked directly with him on some of his samples he had there and did analysis for him so yeah though i don't even know if we published those papers yet but um we didn't lose our connection so when i came i did work with him before japan during japan and after japan and then i trained my my successor to take over my stuff
2: so wow that's so cool yeah
1: what were some of your biggest takeaways of working with Dr. Hill and just doing the internship in in general?
0: I was very lucky to work with him because he was very hands-off, where my academic advisor at UNT is very hands-on. Like, neither of them would be as successful as they were if they weren't so hardworking,